welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 67 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 14th of August 2011, entitled True Saving Faith, Part 5, and the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. So I invite you to stand this morning for the reading of God's Holy Word, beginning in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he bring dead, yet speaketh by faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death, was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had his, this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this wonderful privilege that we have to be in your house again this morning. And now, Lord, we realize fully that as we look into your word, which we are so thankful for, We recognize, Lord, that without the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us, that, Lord, we will gain nothing from this today because he is our teacher. He is the one that will bring these words alive into our hearts. So, Lord, we pray today, as you look upon the hearts of each and every one here, you know the needs. Lord, you know if there be one in our midst today that is lost that needs the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts, that needs to be born again. Father, we pray you would do that work in their hearts that is necessary. If there be one that is backslidden, that is walking afar off, Lord, we pray for them and pray that through thy word, through thy might, that you would do the work in their hearts. And Lord, for each and every one of your children here today, You know exactly, Lord, where they've been and what they've been through. You know exactly where they're going and what they still face. And, Father, we pray that you would take and give them this day that which, Lord, was impossible for man to give, but that you might give to them the strength that they need. Lord, whether it be a challenge or whether it be encouragement, whether it be something that they need to get rid of or something that they need to take up in their life, Lord, I pray that you would speak as only you can. For it's in Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. We continue in our series on contending for the faith. Today on sermon number 67 in that series, and particularly as we are looking at the fundamentals of that faith for which we are to contend, we're currently looking at what true saving faith is. As we look at true saving faith, we're now up to part five, and 
we have seen in Matthew chapter 7. We have seen as we have looked there, first of all, we recognize that there are many, many, many people that have a lot of things that they think is salvation, but it really isn't. We've seen that there's so many things that people can know and people can practice and, and people can do and yet not truly be a child of God. We looked at the comparisons that the Lord gave us in Matthew chapter 7 when he has made it so clear that with all the people that think that they're going in the right direction, he uses these comparatives and we've looked at, of course, the two gates by which men can enter. But only one of those gates leads to life, and that's that straight gate, while that wide gate leads to destruction. The straight gate leads to a narrow way, and that wide gate leads to a broad way. We've looked at the, the two ways, the two destinations that they take us, the two crowds that are upon them, the many and the few, the two trees and the two fruits that they produce, the two professions that can be made, the sayers and the doers, the two builders, the wise and the foolish, the two foundations, those that build upon the rock, the solid foundation, and those that build upon the sand. This should give us clarity in recognizing that within man, there are many mistakes that can be made, many things that can be done, but there is nothing that he can do to save himself. And the frightening thing is, is that as we look at what Jesus Christ has taught us here, is that there are so many people that think that they're okay, that think that they're on the right path, that are part of a religious crowd and a religious group. They know all about Jesus. They know all about theology and the Bible and they know all about church and they know about all the religious things that we go through. And yet they've never experienced true saving faith. I ask you that question once again this morning. What is true saving faith? Well, I think first of all, to answer that question, we must answer the first question, well, what is faith? In our reading this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, he said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, as we begin to look at this verse and we answer that question, I want you to just be reminded as we try to define what faith is and what true saving faith is. I want you to be reminded this chapter in our Bibles has been called many things. The hallmark of faith. The heroes of faith. As we read through this, the Word of God reminds us here of the many things that have been accomplished by faith. We've read a couple, and then he picks up in verse 7. He says, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. He was warned of things that had never been seen that were totally, completely out of this world. 
The Bible says he moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith was all that it took. Noah had to believe something that he had never seen, that he had never experienced, that he had never heard of before. But it was by that faith that his family was saved. It was by that faith that humanity was saved through him. He says in verse 8, by faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Abraham was told to go somewhere solely because God told him to go. He didn't know where he was going. God was going to give him an inheritance. That's what God said. But he'd never seen this place. God didn't even tell him, you know, well, if you get out your map, you can find it at this spot. He didn't know. It says, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Wow. He was looking for something that was built on that solid foundation that God himself had built, that God alone could take him to. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised, all because God told her. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Somebody that was past age, somebody that ought to have been at the end of their life, a 90 and 100 year old, and yet out of that, by faith, God brought forth the promise of the seed that he says you can't even count. Like the stars in the sky or the, or the sand by the seaside. That all came by faith because somebody believed something was possible with God that was impossible with man. He said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Every one of those, they had the word of God. They had faith in that because it was a promise of God. They died without ever seeing that promise but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity they have returned if they'd kept thinking about all the things they'd left, all the things they'd given up, all their security, their homes. 
in order to go out not knowing where they were going based solely upon a promise of God that they'd never seen, that they couldn't see, but they could see it afar off solely because God said it was so. They were looking for a city that was built by God, that was founded upon God. If they had begun to dwell too much on what they were leaving behind, that they might have had opportunity to turn around and go back. But, you know, it's kind of like the old songwriter. You know, I love the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face. The things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, their eyes were upon what God had said, not upon what they could see in this world, not upon what they had felt, not upon what was tangible right there before them. There was something that was more real than all their goods and their homes and the things that they had experienced. There was something that they had never seen. There was something that was based solely upon faith, solely because God had said it that was far better. And that's where they were headed. But now they desire a better country. That is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. By faith, the Bible says. You know, that that's... That's still hard for me to get my head around. Abraham, there with his only son Isaac, he knows God has made all these promises and what God has offered, and those promises can only be fulfilled through this one that's laying there that now is to be sacrificed to that God. Does that make any sense? We find that his faith, because there was something that was even more real Try to get your head around this. This man, his son on the altar before him, literally ready to sacrifice that son, there was something more real than his own child laying there about to be sacrificed, and that which was even more real than that was the promise of God. He couldn't see it. It wasn't tangible. Everything before him would have shown just the opposite. And yet, because God said it, it could not fail. It was more real than what was right here, even in this moment, in this instant of time, when his son is about to die as a sacrifice upon the altar. God's promise is still more real, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. You see, his promise in God was so real that his son laying here, that God had said to sacrifice, that if it came down to it, his faith in God was such because of God's promise that even if he did sacrifice him, well, God's going to raise him up because God said this, and that cannot change. Wow. Faith. 
By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, where he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Listen, Moses is there in the palace all these riches are real. You know, he's been adopted into the most powerful, richest family in the nation. And it's all there for him. And yet, because of the promises of God, because to be with God's people and to face reproach and to have nothing is better for him than to have all these riches of Egypt and a position of power and all that in this world. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We heard about that Wednesday night. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Listen, of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Listen, he's talking about all these things that took place 
most of these in the Old Testament. He's talking about all the things. And, you know, one of the things that really grabs me when I read that is, I mean, on the one hand, he's showing us that, you know, it was through faith that the mouths of the lions were stopped in the lion's den there for Daniel, that the Hebrew children that when they were cast into the fire, the fire couldn't touch them. He shows us how by faith that God's people crossed over on dry land as the Red Sea was parted, and yet those that followed them without that faith were drowned. He goes through all these things where they were delivered. But then he also tells us about those that were tormented, those that were put to death those that weren't rescued from it, and yet it was still by the same faith that they went through that because there was something better on the other side of it. It was worth whatever this world brought. You see, it's by faith sometimes that we're delivered from the things of this world that are brought against us. But thank God for that same faith that there have been so many So many, even since these words were inspired and preserved for us in the Word of God, there have been many since that have still been slain by the hands of this world, by the enemy, those martyrs that have given their life, given their own blood for the sake of the truth, of God's truth, of God's promises, by faith. By faith, it is by faith that you might be delivered from something that absolutely, positively, there seems to be no way in the world. (laughs) Or by faith, you might be taken through it. It may cost you your life in this life, or you may be rescued from something in this life. It's the same faith. What is that? And I mean, he's, you know... He says here, he said, look, there's not enough time. There's no way in the world that I can tell you about all that faith has done. These are just some examples to remind us what is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of of things hoped for. That word substance there in your Bibles in the original Greek, it was actually made up of a compound word where two words are put together to give the meaning. And the first part of that word literally means to be under something, to be under something. And the second part of it means to hold up or to establish it. Faith, he says here, is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is what's under those things that are hoped for. It's what holds it up. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Brother Andrew, I won't do it. But you know, the simple truth is right now, there's one thing between you and that floor right there, and that's that chair that you're sitting on. Guess what happened if I jerked that chair out from under you? (laughs) He wouldn't be sitting there any longer. He'd be on the floor, wouldn't he? because that's what's holding him there. We can all see this ceiling. Well, you know, what you can't see is above that suspended ceiling. Man, there are tons of wires. 
that run up to a wooden roof that's built over the top of this. And so in actual fact, it's not the wires, but it's that roof that is holding that ceiling in place above your heads right now. Now, what makes you think it's not going to fall down? Well, we'll look at that in a minute because, I mean, you've learned some things hopefully in life by now. But guess what? It's not really the wires. It's not even really that wood on that roof that's holding it up, but there's actually these walls that are holding that roof up because if I take those walls down, guess what? That whole thing is going to come tumbling down. Or as we talked last week, we can go even further. Those walls are only staying in place because of the foundation that they're built upon. And if that foundation fails, it's going to all come tumbling down. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Folks, this is so simple. Remember this. God has never given you anything in the Word of God to confuse you, Brother Steve. He's given it to you for your understanding. And as a matter of fact, he wants you to understand it because he knows that the natural man is not able to understand these spiritual things. So through the Holy Spirit, he's given you someone to help you understand his word, to make sure you understand it. He didn't give it to you to confuse you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, there is nothing, there is nothing in this world there is no hope in this world. There is no hope in the next world. All of our hope in heaven, all of our hope in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of the hope that we hold, even that he is here as our deliverer right now, the hope and every promise that he's ever made to us in his word. Faith is a substance. Without faith, it all falls away. Without faith, there is nothing to hold it up. Without faith, there's nothing to support it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you take away the faith, there won't be anything left of the hope. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence, what do we think of when we think of evidence we think of something that is the proof, that proves that it's there. You see, as we look through all of these examples of what faith has accomplished here, faith is what allowed them to see what nobody else could see, to see what was totally impossible for man in his natural self to see, to see it because God had said it. And everything else, if God said it, everything else, no matter how tangible it was, no matter how visible that it was, no matter how real it is, whether it be circumstances or whatever, the simple truth is, if God says something, doesn't matter what we see or think or heal or what makes sense to mankind, if God said it, that's it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We have no hope. There is nothing for our hope to be built upon. There is nothing to support our hope without faith. Faith is the evidence of things 
not seen. <laughs> That's the only way you'll ever see those things. You know, the amazing thing is, is that as believers, they could see these things afar off, even though they weren't tangible to the natural eye. They could see them because God promised them. Now, in some cases, you can see those things literally fulfilled right now, but, you know, the promise of their Messiah, of their Redeemer. You know, what about, what about all those that, that crossed the Red Sea? <laughs> we find that all of them except two died right there without ever entering into that promised land because of unbelief. Their faith got them there, but their lack of faith kept them from seeing that promise fulfilled. The truth is today, we need to recognize the importance of faith. True saving faith is not about a religious creed. It's not about a religious ceremony. It's not about how many times you do or don't go to church, how many times you do or don't get baptized. It's not about how many creeds that you agree with. It's not about anything except my Bible tells me, for by grace are you saved through faith. By grace. There's only one way. You can only be saved by God's grace. There's nothing else that can do it. You can't do enough. There is nothing there. And the only way, you've heard me simply, again, for by grace through faith. It's only God's grace that could save you. And there's only one road, one pathway, one way of you getting to God's grace through faith or by grace through faith. You got to go through faith to get to the grace. And the grace is the only thing that'll save you. He tells you that that's not even of yourself. It's a gift of God. <laughs> Why? So you can't boast about it. So you can't say, look what I've done and how genuine that I've been and how sincere that I've been in all of these things. No, you're saved by God's grace. And you can only get there through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, not self-righteousness, nothing. We, we've got to get this. There is nothing, 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 no matter how good it is, no matter how right it is, there is nothing we can do that will bring us salvation. Faith is, I believe, a combination of three things, three simple things. I've started them all with A's so that hopefully you can just remember them very simply. What is faith? Well, first of all, it requires acquiring knowledge. And second of all, it means assent to that knowledge. And thirdly, acting upon that knowledge. What do you mean, preacher? Well, first of all, you got to know something in order to believe it. And just knowing something and believing it doesn't necessarily mean that you will act upon it. I believe that we've got to recognize that faith is a combination of all of these things. First of all, we've got to know something. Why does the Bible say that, we'll read it in a moment, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Why does he say that it's so important 
that somebody go and give them the gospel, that somebody preach that gospel, that somebody proclaim that gospel to them. The first thing is that we have to know something. You know, there's absolutely no way whatsoever that you can believe in something and act upon something that you don't know, that you haven't been given. They had to, first of all, know what God's promises were. You have to, first of all, know what God says. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But then, just knowing something, have you ever read something that was given or done as fact and yet, no way, no way am I going to believe that? You know, here today, I can remember as a youngster in school, I can remember sitting there and watching as man first set foot up on the moon. He took that first step and all those things, and I mean, wow, you know, incredible to watch. And yet, there are many today that still don't believe that man walked on the moon. Now, the knowledge is there. And everybody, it's kind of hard to live and not know that knowledge, especially in the civilized world today. People know that fact. But just because it's put out there as fact and able for men to know, it doesn't mean that everybody believes it. Some people still believe that they did that out in the desert somewhere, that you know, it was all Hollywood and it was all made up. And, you know, that is their prerogative. <laughs> they can believe that if they want to. They've chosen that, well, there's facts. I know what they're saying, but I don't believe it. Faith is knowing it than believing it. We find that, what was it, back in, in Romans chapter 7, we found that it was Romans chapter 6. We found there when we talked about in our study in Romans on being delivered from that sin. We found that in order to be delivered from that old man, that fleshly man, to be able to walk in the Spirit, we found three words in there that we concentrated on, knowing, reckoning, and yielding. We first had to know that that old man was dead. But then we had to reckon it to be so in our lives, to accept it as reality, and then yield and give ourselves to God. It's that same type of action. We've got to know something. We read all through the Bible about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Well, keep this in mind first of all. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the only thing that holds our hopes where they are, that gives us any hope whatsoever. It's faith that allows us to see what the natural eye cannot see and to know it to be even more real than what the natural eye can see. We have to first know something. We have to have that knowledge, but then we have to give assent to it. We have to believe it to be true, and only then can we act upon it. See, keep this in mind. That's faith. But saving faith, saving faith is different from any other faith that you've ever experienced in anything in your life. 
It's trusting in something that you've never seen and that you've never experienced before. Most lost people think you're absolutely loony, that you're stark raving mad when you start talking about what it means to be a Christian, to be a child of God. Why? You've now experienced something after being saved. They've never experienced it. How do you describe it? Saving faith is different from any other faith. Most things in life you learn. We start as babies. As a baby, they come into this world, and before they're taught anything, there's a couple things that they naturally know. And one is hunger and thirst. What happens when a baby gets thirsty? What does that baby do? Starts crying. If you don't listen, guess what? It's going to cry louder, and it's going to cry louder until it gets your attention. Why? He doesn't know it's called thirst. He don't even know what it is. He just knows there's something missing, and he's going to cry out until somebody listens to pay attention. But you know, so that baby has a natural sense of thirst. And he's crying out for something to fill it. Well, I believe in the spiritual world. You can liken that to some degree that there's something missing in everybody's life. They don't know what to call it. They don't know what it is, but it's God. But the first thing, they don't know to call out and say, I need a drink. I need a drink from that spiritual fountain. I need to be born again. I need to be saved. They don't maybe know any of the theological terms that we just toss around so freely. But there's that cry. Something's missing. There's that cry. We'll look at that later too. They don't even know what they're asking for, but they know that something's got to be there, and they, they cry out for it. Now, you know, that baby doesn't know. He has to learn some things because at that point, he's totally dependent upon someone else. You know, my younger brother, who's 14 months younger than me, he did a really smart thing to to satisfy his thirst when he was just not even able to walk yet. He was just crawling. And there was a leak in the back of my mom and dad's refrigerator. And in that leak, there was, I don't know, it was some kind of gas that, that ran through that system. And that jar was sitting back there just catching those drips. They'd moved in. They brought this new baby. They hadn't given it a thought because it was behind the refrigerator. My brother found it one day. And guess what? He turned it up and he drank it. And it was like drinking kerosene or something like that, you know. So they rushed him off to the hospital. Well, he knew he was thirsty. It looked like something good to drink, and so he drank it. But it could have been deadly, even though it seemed like the right thing to quench that. People are reaching out all over the world, and they're grabbing things because they're thirsty Sometimes they're grabbing the wrong thing, Brother Steve. They're grabbing something that's deadly and poison. They're sincere. They're just, they know they need something. That baby is totally dependent. God forbid that you'd ever think of it. You know, you could put anything in that bottle you wanted to, stick it in his mouth. <laughs> you could. It'd be the deadliest poison in the world. You could stick it right in there. That baby's going to start drinking it. Totally dependent on somebody else. But you know what he needs. You know what that baby needs. So whether it's the formula, whether it's your natural milk, whether it's 
maybe gone up and you're getting to the water and the juice and the different thing. You know what he needs. But he's dependent upon you to give it to him. I'm saying, well, this, this world is dependent on us to know the right thing. They can sense that they're thirsty, but they have to learn. They have to learn what to drink as a child and what not to. You know, water's water, right? If you're thirsty, you take water. Well, you can get water out of a cesspool. I wouldn't advise it to quench your thirst, though. That baby wouldn't know the difference, though, would it? That child has to learn. You could get water out of the ocean. I mean, that looks nice and clear and crystal clear, but <laughs> if you taste it, you wouldn't want to drink too much of it, would you? It wouldn't agree with your body too well either. No, but boy, what about that fresh mountain spring? Clear, crystal clear, pure water that you take, and boy, there's nothing in all the world that will quench your thirst like that will. But you have to learn. And you learn what to drink and what not to drink and all those things. And I, I could go through the list. What I'm wanting you to grasp is this. Most things that we have faith in, most things that we know and believe and act upon, we learn over time, whether it's drinking the water, whether it's taking the medicine that the doctor gives us. I've never seen many kids that liked to take the medicines when you're trying to get that spoon in their mouth usually. Eating healthy. Now, you can know that you're hungry, but boy, there's an awful lot of things out there that could sure not, uh, not help you live very long if you didn't eat the right things. You learn that. I drive a car. You know, it's amazing. You go down the road, and, and probably some of my grandparents, great-grandparents back before me, if I got them in a car <coughs> headed down a motorway at 70 miles per hour, they'd probably be scared to death. You know, they didn't know a car could even go that fast. I do it without thinking about it, you know. But there's something that I've learned. I have absolute, I never have to think about it because I've learned that there's another pedal there that if I put my foot on that one, it slows me down. And it'll finally bring me to a complete stop if I need it to. But I wouldn't be out there driving 70 miles per hour if I didn't think those brakes would stop me if I needed to stop, especially with all those other cars around me. I've learned to have confidence in the brake system on that car and that when I put my, fate on, my foot on it, it's going to work. You've learned that it's okay to sit in that chair. You learn. I remember the first time that my mother came over for a visit. She had to learn that it was safe to get on an airplane. She's never flown before. You know, we, as you go back, nowadays people just fly everywhere and don't think anything about it, most of them. In bygone years, for many, 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 there was that first-time experience they had to learn. And the only reason they were getting on there was because they knew those other people that got off of it didn't die in the process. We learn over time. But saving faith doesn't work that way. All these other faiths, it's different because we've never, ever experienced it before. We've never, ever We've never known anything else like it. And as we begin to look into God's Word, I want you to keep this in mind. Our time is gone today. Saving faith. Saving faith. What is true saving faith? Well, first of all, you've got to realize that, listen, you've got to first of all understand any kind of faith, any kind of faith. You've got to know something. And in this case, we're going to realize that 
we need to know God's promises, God's word, right? And we've got to then, as we know that, we've got to give assent to it. We've got to believe in it. We've got to accept it as truth. It's got to go from just knowing it here to believing it in here. And we'll see that in Scripture. And, of course, then it goes to acting upon it. Do you? It's one thing to sit there and say, yeah, I believe that airplane will do fine. <laughs> but it's another thing to get on the airplane while it's doing fine. A lot of people sit back and think all that religious stuff will work just fine for you. <laughs> they know all the facts. A lot of people even believe that it will work for anybody. But they've never got on board. They've never trusted in it. They've never walked out in the middle of that Red Sea and trusted the water to stay there. They've never truly acted upon what they say. Faith. As we look again next time as we continue to look at this passage, remember, God wants you saved more than anything in the world. He wants your sins wiped out. He does not want you to face destruction. He's gone to a lot of trouble to tell you how to avoid that destruction. He's gone to a lot of trouble to tell you how that you can have life instead of death and how you can have it eternally. And he's gone to a lot of trouble to tell you exactly, in very simple terms, what it takes to be saved. Don't be fooled. We're going to look further in this chapter when we come back the next time. But today, God wants you to be saved. And God has given you everything that you need to be saved. And I want to say to you today, as this service comes to a close, do you know that with certainty? I know that all of you know the gospel. And you know these facts about it. Have you come to really believe it? Has it moved from your mind to your heart? And do you believe it enough that you're willing to trust it, that you're willing to step out on it, that you're willing to let it hold all of your hope for the future, what you believe, all of your hope for the future of eternity held by your faith. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, as we look through this, I pray that at least through these this time that we've had together today, that you've reminded us, Lord, of the great things that faith can accomplish, that you've reminded us what faith is, and, Lord, that's where it must begin because, Lord, if it's saving faith, it's got to be a faith that works. So now, Lord, as we have looked at these things, I pray that you will help us, that as we grasp and understand that it's something that we've got to know, and it's something that we've got to believe in our hearts, and it's something that we've got to act upon ourselves. Lord, you've done it all, but, Lord, we've got to put our trust in it. Lord, in whatever, most faiths we can learn. But this, we get the knowledge from your word. We must believe it. and We must act upon it. I pray that you will help us, Lord, as we take that now and apply it as we look back here next time. What is it that we must believe? What is it that we must first know? and then truly believe in our hearts, and then act upon. If that's what faith is, Lord, where must our faith be directed? 
And I pray that today if there be anyone that here that is lost that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that they would, even with before leaving this place today, that they would come to us and give us the opportunity to take your word and show them how they can know for certain what they need to know, what they need to believe in order to act upon it in their lives, that it might support their hopes for the future, that they might be able to see that, which is not visible with the natural eye, which is not seen by the natural world, which they can see through their faith today. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 